This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
It is now 12 p.m. and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia everyone, welcome to Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio, a show by, for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin. Um, so today we have an interview with two members of the Papuan Students Association, Oshinia, who are based in Dunedin, uh, Stephanie DK and Shania Kaiwai. So they are here to talk about their stories as Papuan students in New Zealand and also the um, scholarship scandal and funding cuts by the Indonesian government. Kia ora, Stephanie and Shania. Kia ora, hello. Kia ora. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Um, I do want to reflect on the last time I talked to Stephanie <laughs> because uh, we did a show with um, Jan, the president of the uh, Papuan Students Association before um, with Stephanie and we talked about Papuan culture, we played Papuan songs, um, which is something we'll, we'll also be doing today, but today uh, it has a quite serious tone because we'll be also talking about the scholarship scandal. Um so it's great to have you back, Stephanie. Yes, thank you for having me again. Mm. And I'm really glad to meet you, Shania. It's really great to meet new friends, and like mutual friends as well, because um, I have some friends from the Pop One uh, community here. Yeah, well, it's finally good to put a face to the name in mm. meeting you, so thank you for having us today. Yeah. Um, so before we go on about um, today, let's talk about you guys. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe we'll start with Shania. Uh, my name is Shania Karwai. I'm from Waropen, which is the small um, town in another part of the Papua. But I was born and raised in Jayapura, which is the capital of the province and been there all my life before I moved to New Zealand in 2014 to start my study here. And what are you studying? I'm currently um, studying microbiology and immunology. I'm a third year. Ah, neurology. Oh. Immunology, sorry. Oh, immunology. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool too. <laughs> um, and you're in your final year? Yes, yes, I am. Mm. Um, and I assume you'll be graduating this year as well? Yeah, hopefully. If <laughs> things look for the better, I'll be able to graduate at the end of this year. Yes, hopefully as well. Um, that's so exciting. Mm. Finger crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Shania. It's always great to meet new friends. Um, Stephanie, I've heard your introductions before, but for our listeners out there... <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah. Um, kia ora. I'm Stephanie DK. You've had me before last year. Um, I came to Dunedin in 2017 to do my foundation and graduated with my degree in science, and I'm doing my master in science again. Um, yes, and I'm from West Papua, like Shania. Um, not born, but I was raised in Jayapura as well. Um, yeah. Mm. And, yeah. Um. And what course are you doing? 
with your master's in science? Uh, yes, so science in human nutrition. Mm, human nutrition. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction. Um, so both of you mentioned about home. Um, you also mentioned about Jayapura. Um, would you mind introducing your cultural identity to us? Maybe we'll start with Shania. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I am a proud Papuan. That's that's for sure. I guess being away from home for so long now, I just miss being around the people. You know, being your fellow Papuans and and um, being around my family. And since our cult within our culture, your family is like pretty much very close to you because um, that's pretty much you know where you come from. So having been home for almost four years now has started taking a toll. Being away from home, with especially with everything that's going on right now, it just kind of sucks that um, this whole situation happened. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, besides the people, what else do you miss about home? The food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the people, the food, um, is one of the things that I miss the most um, about home. Like, oh, seeing my family, like having a feast. And then knowing that I can't have, I can't eat what they're having, it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I get that a lot. Um, right now, it's Ramadan for Muslims. Um, so people back home, <laughs> they're having feasts every night for a month. And I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can relate to that. Yeah. Ramadan, man, the food, there's everywhere. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yes. Uh, it's like sometimes um, I don't even ask what my family's eating because I'm afraid of I'll get jealous of whatever they're having. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely, that's the feels right there. <laughs> yeah. When, when was the last time you went back? Oh, um, at the end of 2018. Mm. When I finished my high school, I went back to spend Christmas and New Year's. Then came back um, on January 2019 to start my uni degree. Yeah, and haven't gone back home ever since. Yeah, <laughs> and I assume you were hoping to come to go back like sometime oh, during the yes. summer of COVID. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like counting the days. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Um, let's let's talk to Stephanie. Um, so Stephanie, um, tell us about your identity, basically. Um, Papuan, um, yes, Miss Papuan, but I am, I guess, biologically, I am not fully West Papuan. My mom is from Indonesia and my dad is from West Papua. Um, so yes, biologically not, but I was raised there. So I am proud and I would like to call myself Papuan. So yeah, so that's, I guess that's my identity and the what we're raised in our culture is a lot about respecting 
our elders and also, but not only elders, but people around us, um, a lot of humility. Um, yeah, and also being grateful with whatever situations that we're facing. Yeah. Yeah. It's from our culture. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you are basically raised from two worlds. Um, you're in, you have your Indonesian side and your West Papuan side. Um, how is that growing up, having two separate identities? Is it similar or is it like different? Um, I guess my environment, because I grew up very isolated from the town, quite far distance from the main city. Um, and I grew up with my cousins from my dad's side. My yeah, obviously my mom moved to West Papua. So most of the time I'm surrounded by the values from West Papua, but also I guess like some food and also some accents from my mom's side, like dialect was also brought up as well with me. Um yeah, I think most of the time I would say it's not Maybe some people would see it as a problem, but I don't see... I guess there's, like, differences here and there, but, yeah. I guess mm. everyone is trying to get along at the end because <laughs> we're family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, regardless of your biology, it's, like, your family is, like, who you hang out with and who you spend most time with. It's the social yeah. aspect that makes culture. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so you guys came here as international students. Um, Shania, you did mention that you went to high school here um, and then you went back to Papua and you came back for your university. Um, can you tell us about how your student um, abroad life started here in New Zealand? Well, it started when I was still quite young. Like I was, I don't know, maybe 16, 15, 16. And um, coming to New Zealand, I think the first thing that I noticed straight away is the the social norm is slightly different um, at school, especially at school because that's where I spend most of my time with. And also because um, when I came, because I'm underage, so I can't live on my own. So I have to be put with um, homestay families. So I have to stay with, I think, three or four different families throughout my year in high school. And because, you know, it's a mixture. Sometimes uh, I've had um, a Kiwi family. I had a Filipino family that I've stayed with. And um, I've had a, another Kiwi family, but the mom is from Thailand. And it's very, um, like, to me, that's that's on its own living with them. It's um, a learning journey as well. So I, I learned how to adapt, that helped me adapt to New Zealand quite quickly. Um, in school, mostly, is I, I, I think I had got my very first culture shock when I finally go into class. And then I see some students talk back to the teacher and even swear. And I was like looking at them, thinking to myself, do they, are they understanding what they're doing? Because from where we came from, you can't do that to a teacher because a teacher, you, you know, you see someone as a teacher and you put them in a respect. 
But in here, that was such a culture shock that I was just so baffled in class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, I started foundation year at Otago and they were calling my the teacher by their name. And that that's very yeah. weird because in Malaysia, we would call it like Sir or Mr. or Miss. You know, we would never call it by the name. <laughs> Yes, um, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely something that um, would culture shock you um, when you first arrived. Um, so you came here, um, is it with a, the scholarship that yes. we will be talking about? Yeah, yeah. Mm. so it's the same scholarship that um, paid for my high school. Mm. Um, Stephanie... Can you tell us about your journey when you arrived? Yes. Um, I I should have wrote a journal when I um, arrived because there's so many cultural shocks that probably I can't even remember at the moment. But calling calling your lecturers or your teachers by their name or even your, your fellow friends or people from church that are older than you and you call them by names, that's just kind of like, oh, I rather just stay quiet than talk to you because I don't want to address you by your name because we're not used to it. But people here they they don't see it like that, so we just have to adapt on that side. And what other things? Food. I found it really hard for um, staying in a flat and start cooking for myself or with my flatmates because the food items that they have in New Zealand is different to what we have at home. So then. I need to adapt as well to what I can cook here that are, yeah, that I can eat, I guess. Yeah, so different vegetables, different fruits that they have here from home. I guess in here you have apple and grapes. Back home, it's probably like banana, mangoes, papaya. And you probably won't even need to go to the market to buy them. Usually you just grow them at your garden and everything in here is... Probably everyone will agree with me. All of the <laughs> the fresh producers, they're so expensive and it's so hard to do healthy eating in New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> my nutrition side, thank you. <laughs> I like that you said it's hard to eat healthy because healthy foods here are actually expensive. Like yes. McDonald's is very cheap here, but like... <laughs> yeah, because in Malaysia, yeah. McDonald's is really expensive. It's like a luxury thing to eat McDonald's, but here it's so cheap um, but the expensive foods are the healthy foods oh wow well thank you Stephanie uh, with your human nutrition background <laughs> mentioning this it's it's such a important thing as well um, I, I remember talking to someone who is studying um, human nutrition um, um, and like the diets of people who migrated to New Zealand um, yeah. Like during breakfast for us, we don't eat cereal and milk, you know, but when we come here, that's like one of the only options we have, like oats, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on for someone to come to a new country and trying to adapt to um, life, like, and food is just a small part of it, you know, <laughs> there's so yeah. many more, um, and you guys came with the government scholarships. Um, if you don't mind, can you tell us a bit about that without mentioning about the scandal yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I was one of the earliest group that received the scholarship because the scholarship is a new program that was made from the governor himself. This is so this scholarship um, is his new policy. And um, so this is separate from the previous scholarship that has already been established within the government. And so I went through selection um, and yeah, in the middle of 2014. And by then around August, they sent, there's still maybe about 20, around almost 20 of us. And um, only five of us were doing um, high school. And yeah, that was very, that was the time before, you know, the, the, the groups after that came. So it was just only 20 of us of West Papuans in New Zealand. And when we arrived, we pretty much go to Palmerston North, which is this small um, city just two hours away from Wellington. And the moment we arrived, um, they separate us, the the high school students from the university students straight away. So I remember arrived in um, Palmy at 12 a.m. cold because it's spring. <laughs> and it was so cold and half asleep, jump off the bus. And then suddenly they're having a roll call. And then I'm taken away, separated from my friends straight away. Wow, <laughs> you were not prepared for that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just shocked. <laughs> yeah, I was just so out of it because, you know, we were traveling the entire day. As soon as we arrived, it's just, I thought I still have time with my friends, maybe one night so we can, you know, talk about our experience that we just got through together. Like, wow, we were a new country. That still feels so surreal, and suddenly, here's your new family. You can go to them. Yeah, and you were so young. What what age were you? I was like fifteen. 16, oh, so right? young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but it's so good that you know you're embarking this new journey when you're young at the same time you know it's scary but like like wow you know (laughs) looking back at it now that I'm slightly older now looking back I was like wow I was so brave at that age (laughs) like that is I did that (laughs) kind of you know like wow yeah you you went on a plane and you went to a foreign country (laughs) at the age of 15 wow yeah I think you should be proud of your younger self, you know? Not not a lot of people are brave enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need to pat myself on the back for that. <laughs> you should, you should. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. Um, Stephanie, can you tell us about you? The scholarship. Yeah. yeah. Um... So I think with Shania, we go through the same process, similar process. Um, Before we came to New Zealand, there are tests um, that we need to take and we were selected. Not everyone then, obviously, not everyone get accepted to this scholarship. Um, And I was in, I finished high school then. um, And then, yeah, the whole test take place. And 
one thing that I want to mention is that like Shania's case and also my case, we are excited. Our parents are probably even more excited than us because not only that now we can further our study or even going to tertiary education, but someone is paying for us and not only for our tuition fees, but also our allowance, our living costs, our yeah, our accommodation, our food, all of those things. So yes, and they're all promised in our contract that the government will make sure that they will fully fund us until we finish our studies. Yeah. So that's basically the whole, if I can put it in simple way. Hmm. And I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that um, because, you know, the situation is back home, like how that's like. And to be able to further your studies is a privilege, you know, for some people. Um, And yeah, it's it's a privilege that you could be here. Um, Yeah, I think... um, We'd have a lot more to talk about um, after the break. So before we do that, do you want to give us a song for our song break today? Yes. So um, one of the song, um, one of the song from West Papua that is well known um, is called uh, Tanah Papua by trio MBC, it's like the land of West Papua and um, that's a very old song that our parents also know, our, we also know them. I hope the generation that's below me also know this song <laughs> yeah so this song is basically talk about um, calling West Papua as like a, a paradise a little heaven that we have on earth so that's our home that's like our paradise our heaven that's um we have and talk about the natural resources all the rich that we have um yeah so that's basically what the song is about the mountain the rivers our gold our oil everything is mentioned in the song so i guess that song is trying to tell that we have all the resources in the world and hence why it's kind of like a heaven because we have all the natural resources yeah and it's just a song that people like to sing when they want to tell everybody that hey i'm west of one and i'm very proud of where i'm coming from yeah mm. that is such a beautiful song and um i'm glad that you introduced it to us so that people can listen and know more about west papua and appreciate it more um so we'll be right back after the song break Selalu cendrawasi burung 
on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and you're listening to Connecting Cultures Features. And we're here with Stephanie and Shania from the uh, two members of the Pop One Students Association. Kia ora. Welcome yeah. back. <laughs> Yay. Um, so before the song break, we talked about yourselves and also the Papuan culture, um, what it was like being new international students coming here at a very young age, like Shania when she was 15. Oh, <laughs> I'm still feeling goosebumps about it because I remember when I was 15 and what I was doing, I, w- I don't think I was ever thinking about <laughs> like going to a new country, you know? Um, and then we started talking a bit about the scholarship that um, they came here with um, that was funded by the Indonesian government. Um, but recently, um, there's this scholarship scandal where the Indonesian government have decided to have funding cuts, um, which is very bad because there are other, there are so many other um, Papuan students who are currently in New Zealand who want to finish their studies because, you know, they're doing it. And um, yeah, it's just a very, a really unfortunate situation to be in. Um, so I'm really happy that Stephanie and Shania are here today um, to talk about their experiences and how we can help uh, with the situation. Um, yeah, so I'll just give the floor to you guys and I'll keep coming in for follow-up questions. Um, but would you mind sharing with us what happened? Um, treat us as if we have no idea what's going on because some of us actually don't. Yes, so um, there's quite a, a large number of West Open students in New Zealand and I know there's probably about nine or even ten of us in Dunedin that used to study um, here and have graduated or are currently studying. Um yeah, so there's a large number of West Papuan students currently studying in New Zealand and also in other countries around the world. And the last thing we understand is that we still have a scholarship that we can continue our study. However, things go a little bit different starting from end of last year where we get a letter from West Papuan government with a list of names that these students are need to be sent home because their reason was because of lack of progress. And so there's that list of students um, that they require to go home. Um, however, the problem right now is that it's not only affecting those that are, I guess, threatened to go home with out no further clarification, but also those that are not on the list that are also affected. So I guess to put it in simple terms is both that are not in the list and in the list are affected by this problem because both of these, these groups um, not receiving any money and not receiving any emails or communication 
any type of communication from the government. So yeah, the last thing we know is that we're still funded by them. However, yes, that thing happened at the end of last year. And we've tried to communicate with them as well in through private messages, through emails. We've emailed them. Our government, West Papua government that recruit us, we also emailed the national as well, but no reply. And we've reached out to our own embassy. However, there's no response on, yeah, no response from any of them. So how whatever that is going on behind the curtain that we, the students, don't know, we are the victim here. It's clear that we are the victim here and the contract said that they will guarantee us to finish our studies. So we just want to hold them accountable for sending us here and yeah, keep your promise and let us finish our study. That's horrible. Um, The situation is horrible, but what makes it more horrible is that they're not owning up to the issue, that they're not replying, they're not communicating. And that's very stressful. Um, I can imagine the waiting, the waiting game, you know, waiting for them to reply, um, mm. not knowing the answer, hoping that they will reply. Um, yeah. That must it's be very like stressful. Three yeah. months now, I think, since since we've been messaging them and still nothing. And yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. So we ourselves, like each of the members of Open Students Association, each of the members, of the members or the the executive team or even people there have higher positions than us that have reached out to the government. No reply has been given to anyone. So, yeah. And in this scholarship, we usually receive our allowance every three months. And our tuition fees is paid once every year. So they paid, they give our invoice at the beginning of the year and then they immediately um, cover all of our tuition fees, insurance, visa, everything. But what's happening now that our allowance that's supposed to come beginning of the year to cover the first three months has not been sent. And also our tuition fees for the whole year has not been covered. And our visa, our sponsorship, because if you're... Under scholarship, we need to sponsor letters from the government. And some of us, a lot of us, haven't received that letter from the government in order to apply for a visa this year. So, yeah, problems on top of other problems. Visa, tuition fees, allowance, food, accommodation. Yeah. That is very stressful. And it's not like you guys are new students. You guys are returning students, like ongoing students. Correct. Yeah, because we had COVID. So there was no um, new batch coming to New Zealand or other countries. So most of us that are here has been in here for in the last four or five years, six. Yeah. Shania, do you want to add into that? Um. I think I'm disagreeing with her. Um, it's it's not only they don't give us direct response, but they every time they reply, if we get a reply, it's not an answer. It's like they're redirecting us to talk to someone else. Um, and that's just very stressful because you're trying to study, but you have all these things that you need to stress about. 
And at the same time, you have to work because you need to support yourself. So like this, it's very frustrating. It's very um, exhausting to to looking for like, you know, we just want clarity. We just want solution. Um, that's in the end of, at the end of the day, that's all we want, you know, because you sent us here to study and that's what we're trying to do but we can't do that properly if we have to worry about all these things that happen because of the funding yeah yeah and you guys are students you know you're you're meant to be there to study but there's so many other things going on that's stressful um it makes me think about you know what what privilege of other students who don't have to worry about these things who don't have to worry about their visas um who don't have to worry about food because they're living in a um hall you know for example um so yeah it, it must be it it must have been a very stressful three months for you guys mm-hmm. mm. um so you guys have been talking about the situation but what other impacts that you've realized um for the students for your other friends basically um i think majority of the students are facing we're pretty much facing the same thing because we ended up have to letting the university know our situation and um explain to them that our pretty much whether your name on the list or not we're pretty much don't know how our future is going to look like. We can't give them a concrete answer because we don't even have an answer for ourselves. And I guess that's where it's very, um, that's where it's very um, hard for us. Whenever we get emails from uni asking, hey, reminder this or um, your tuition fee haven't been paid, which has happened to me recently. And so I have to email them and explain to them and let them know that um, my situation is very tricky. It's very complex. So it's you can't just give one answer that would answer everything. It's mm-hmm. like there's sub-answers to that answer. Has the university been supportive, though? Yeah, the university has been very supportive um, from the beginning. Um, I've been in contact with the international department as well and um, letting them know about my situation. And um, so uh, my tuition fee, the jujit for my tuition fee has been um, extended further than it already has, which is I'm very grateful for. And the uni also um, accepted the grant, the Putea hardship grant mm. that was available. So that was very helpful for me to be to so I could use to apply for my visa because a part of my tuition fee, my visa, like was one of the things that was the problem because without a valid visa, I can't access Blackboard. Yeah. And all of my um, access to university um, reserves uh, would be cut. So that's one of the things that was very stressful as well. Yeah. And like to go through all that while studying, while going to class, like you need Blackboard when you're studying, you know? Yeah. Um, Stephanie, do you have anything to add about that? Um, I think in terms of the due date for our tuition fees, um, 
who's facing the same thing and we've emailed them about our situation and ask for an extension. However, this is the second extension that they've given us. So I'm sure there's some limit as well and rules that university needs to follow in terms of giving extension on the due date on our tuition fees. So, and so I think the frustrating part is that we're, we're very uncertain of, first, we're very uncertain about what's going on with our scholarship. Am I still being funded or am I not being funded? Um, what's going to happen with my study. If I'm in final year, that's, I'm not saying that the people that are not in final year will not be as stressful, but you're in your final year. So this is the last thing that you need to, just one more year and then you're done, but then you have to go through all of this. And so also another thing is that you're, that's your own problem. But another problem is that you have the problem between you the university and also the government, you're in the middle. Um, you don't have any guarantee at the moment from the government whether you can continue your study or not because no one is communicating with us. On the other hand, the university expecting us to give information like updates and yeah. And you guys are in the middle. <laughs> yeah, nothing. We, we've tried our best we've reached to everyone that we know could help in terms of the government level and as I've said before no response has been given but yeah and I understand as well from the university standing point that they want to know how like this where is this problem going yeah and yeah. I I agree when you said that you guys are the victims of this whole situation. <laughs> Whatever yeah. they're having issues with is like, okay, but you guys are having the impacts of, um, you know, needing to answer to every question but yeah. and not getting the answers yourself. Yeah. And also like for students that probably not facing the same problems as us, they too are probably struggling in their studies. Those that are in a perfect environment that can support them in their study they still struggle in their study education how about us we are affected by so many different factors on top of that you need to ace your education as well yeah yeah so yeah that is really stressful thank you guys for sharing that um so it's been three months since they sent that letter basically um can you tell us about how the Green Party started um, helping out? Yes, so um, we've kind of reached out to them and ask uh, and tell them about our problems. And it's such a relief to know that they also want to take the burden and want to help us start, continue our studying here and finish our study yeah so what they've been helping is they've put up a poster or they've they've been interviewed by news as well so it's been out there in the news and also in instagram our friends everyone that we know has been sharing the post there so they're trying to push the government to support us as their fellow indigenous people in new zealand as west papuan um, by providing perhaps pathway residents or even get our visa because their point was the Ukraine people were given visa at 
during their hard times, why can't they give the same support as well to us when we're also in the in hard times as well? So yeah, so they're supporting us in that in that way, which is very helpful because we've reached out to a lot of people and yeah, not 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 very successful in some parts, um, including our embassy as well, which is very sad. But yeah, I think it's very like what I've said before that from our culture, we're very supportive towards each other, um, no matter what family name you come from, what part, which part of West Papua you come from, you will help those people. And so from that values and norms that we know we West Papua hold on to, we expect the government that represent us, that bring us here would also have that kind of mindset and to also want to support us. And that's very, I guess if we see other people as West Papua and we see other people that are struggling no doubt we will help. But when we're in this situation, it's very hard for us to get support. So I guess that's what very frustrating for us at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and you think like, you know, you, you were speaking about the Papua and values and stuff. You were, of course, we'd hope that, you know, when a crisis comes up, you know, we'd be supporting each other as Papuans yeah. should do. Um, and that must have been very stressful, especially when your own embassy couldn't support you because yeah. like that's like the the point about like that's like the connector of New Zealand and Papua the embassy exactly. yeah <laughs> you know which doesn't make sense for them to not supporting us because I don't I I guarantee you that there's a lot of West Papuan students here. Um, that are representing them as well. But yeah, no support has been given, which is, I think it's very ridiculous that they don't yeah. give that support that we wanted. Uh, we yeah. Shania, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I guess that's that's like one of the main points, like having, you're thinking, having, oh, there is a lifeline that you can always reach out to. But then you go there and you're not being granted that lifeline, that, that you know, that connection that you need to, that, that certainty. And it's very frustrating because then at the end of the day, we ended up, we literally have to support each other. Like us, Papuan student, like as a community, in the end of the day, we're trying to help each other as much as we can in the limited resources that we have just to make sure that, no one is left behind, that everyone, you know, you have enough food and you, you have place to stay because this is just the situation that we ended up being in with no support given to us. Yeah. It's really good, though, to hear that the Green Party is helping you guys. That is like one light of hope, you know? Yes. <laughs> one candle is burning for us. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been following this news since it started. And I, I remember feeling so anxious about this. And when mm. I saw the Green Party was part of the conversation, I actually felt like, you know, like for me, I would say Alhamdulillah, like thank God that people are helping um, 
you guys, mm. you know, someone in the government level that can actually have the resources and power to help you guys. Yeah. Um, sure. So I really hope for the best. Um, you know, the things that they mentioned about having pathways for the current students here, that is such an important thing. You know, knowing just the certainty of your future is so important, right? Mm. Yeah, I well, you already have COVID. You people understand how hard it is living in uncertainty with COVID. And now with COVID, education, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a lot. it's a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so with all that, with all the conversations we've had today, can you please tell us how the people in the community can help support the Pop One students? Um, I think one of the things that I can think on top of my head right now is we have a give, give a little page for the students who are in the list because now they are no longer funded for their um, living cost and their tuition fee. So now they have to pay it with however much they can. And so that money would be allocated to those students have, uh, that are very heavily impacted by this whole situation. So any little help, you know, would would go a long way. We will take anything that you you're willingly to give. Um, also, reach out if you know any fellow West Papuans. You can reach out to them, talk to them, and we can let you know. Also, um, just keep the conversation going. Um, share and you know let the people around you know about this, and hopefully that can gain enough momentum for a change for us. Hopefully. Yeah, the wow. the more people talk about this, the more people know, and mm-hmm. hopefully it'll get louder. And yeah. well, hopefully it'll reach Papua, and actually they'll actually listen to you guys. You know, um, Stephanie, do you have anything to add on how we can support? Um, the same thing as what Shani have mentioned. They've set up a page, um, give a little. So if you have few few bucks whatever it is how much it is um put it there um but also i want to challenge people that has the power to make change to actually make the change for the people around you especially if you know if you've heard about this problem yeah i challenge those people to take actions and help the students yeah thank you so much guys um, where can we find the Give a Little page? Um, Would it be on the PSAO page? Yeah, Facebook page. I would say it's there. Mm, yeah. So the Facebook page name is Papuan Students Association Osinia, uh, PSAO. So. For you guys, for who are listening, you can um, donate there to help the Pop One students um, to finish their studies and pay for their living costs while they are in New Zealand. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Shania and Stephanie, for your time and for sharing with us about your culture, the good things we talked about before, um, and also the hard parts, because that's very important too. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Um, thank you for letting us talk. Yeah, this is one of the means that um, we have in the Netherlands, so we're very grateful that you have 
provided the space for us to share what we're going through so that more people can support and spread the words as well. So thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's been great. Um, talking to you again, Stephanie, and getting to new to know you, Shania, it's always great to get to know new people. And yeah, hopefully we're here to support each other. And just, you know, let us know if there's anything else you want to share um, on air. We'd always be here on Connecting Cultures Features. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.